Good morning. I will be reading God's Word this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form the body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers within it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And if God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, a second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Kim. Well, it's good to be back. I have to say, we watched online, and I'm so thankful for that function. But there's just, it's just not the same as being here with you. And so I, I, I hope that you're able to take advantage of that online function from time to time. But man, being together is so much better, in my opinion. Uh, but thank you for the week, uh, the, the uh, allowing us to go as our pastoral staff with our wives. Uh, we had a great retreat. It was an awesome time to rest, but also to, uh, to solidify our relationship together to help us to be a solid and unified team as we minister 
here. And so that was such a blessing. We're so thankful for that. Our kids love to ask me who I love the most. I don't know if you had to deal with this or have to deal with this with your kids or not. And so I always say, your mom. And uh, they don't like that answer. They seem slighted, like, how dare you? And then I exclaim, listen, one of these days you'll leave this house and it'll be just me and your mom. I knew her before you were around and still want to know each other and like each other once you're gone off being adults and that we raised you to be. Well, then they'll say, well, which of your kids is your favorite? We're all a little selfish at our core, aren't we? We want to be someone's favorite person. We all want our lives to be cherished. And from our parents, we should be cherished. And I cherish my children. I, I truly do. Uh, but I uh, cherish each one of them. And it doesn't mean that they are loved any less if I don't have a favorite or love one of them more than the other. We, we, we know that's absurd and we know that's ludicrous. I'm not sure that my kids do, but we do. And God certainly has the capacity to love each and every one of his children the same way as well. The problem comes when we see ourselves more highly than someone else. Paul was addressing this church. It was the Corinthian church. and um, they, they had a lot of troubles. That's why they, were, they wrote two letters there. And in fact, it's, it's likely... The first Corinthians is, is probably the second letter that Paul had written to them. It's, they had troubles. They had, it was a messy church. They had difficulties. And one of the big problems that they had was that some in the church were flaunting themselves as if they were more important than the other members of the body. Imagine that. Hey, I know Jesus saved you, but he loves me more. Uh, he saved me more. It's like when we focus on someone else's sin rather than ours. And a reality check we all need is that, look in the mirror, we're all sinners. Jesus has saved us all, each one. No sin is greater or lesser than the other. No sin required more or less of Jesus' love and forgiveness. You and I are loved by our Savior. We're, we're not one to, to walk around and flaunt what his love for us. Or, or, or in this case, it was their gifts that they were flaunting. Remember, two weeks ago, we learned about that special heavenly gift, the, the gift that Jesus ascended into heaven to receive, to give to you and I, and he gave that specifically to you, a specific gifting, a, speci a specific heavenly ascended gift for you to use to build up the body in maturity and unity. God gave each and every one of us a gift specifically. Well, in this church, some of those that thought they had a quote-unquote higher gift 
were flaunting that among the others. In fact, they were not just flaunting their own gift, they were degrading some of the other gifts. And it's specific because we, we realize in other parts of uh, 1 Corinthians that the ones that were flaunting their gift were those who could speak in tongues, who could, who could uh, speak in a certain way that wasn't their native language and people could understand them. And because they had this quote-unquote more miraculous or higher gift, they flaunted it and were using it to degrade some of the others who had lesser gifts or hidden gifts or gifts that weren't as boisterous or as visible. And it's, it's ludicrous for us to think that Jesus loves us more or gifted us in a way that is better than someone else who Jesus also died for and his Holy Spirit gave a special gift for. It's ludicrous for to, us to do that. But it's not much different than we do today. These believers were acting like their gift from the Holy Spirit was better than the other people's miraculous gift. Hey, I have a miraculous gift from God that I did nothing to receive that's better than your miraculous gift that God gave you. And so I'm going to degrade you. How absolute crazy is that? But we do that as well when we shun people or when we allow division to come into our own churches in other ways. So I want to look at this passage today, and I think we see four things from this that really apply to our own church and help us to see what we are supposed to do and how we are equipped and how God has arranged and put us together so that we can be what God wants us to be as a body. And I think we derive that from this passage that Kim read so well. So the first thing that we see here is that every person in our church is a vital part of Jesus' design. Let me say that again, maybe in a different way. You, as a member of this body, and let me just say member means a part, and Paul uses that language interchangeably here. It's not, membership in a church is not like we pay our dues, and you know, because we pay our dues, we're, we're in good standing because, you know, like that's how we do it at the, the country club or the or whatever club we're a part of. It's, it's not like that. It's not like a gym membership, right? It is the fact that you are an appendage, a part of this body, of the body of Christ here at this church. You play a part, and according to God's word, you are a vital part of this body. You're a vital member. That's everyone. Anyone who is blood-bought, spirit-filled, and is a member of this body is vital to the ministry this body has. Your gift is vital. What Paul helps this Corinthian church to understand is that, and we must realize as well, is that every person who God has brought into our faith family is a vital part and is here just as God designed it to be. 
God has arranged it how he wants it. Jesus has placed you here to do something that will benefit the whole thing. Paul begins with, this remi- with a reminder how we came to be a part of the body. He says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. And then he says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. You are here because the Holy Spirit brought life into you. You were, that word baptizo there means to be immersed into him. That the Holy Spirit, Jesus saved you. And the Holy Spirit uh, enveloped you with his love, with his spirit, and with who he is. He baptized you into this faith family with something important to do. Friends, if you are here today and you profess Jesus Christ, and I had the the amazing opportunity this morning to talk with a brand new member of our our faith family, someone who just trusted Jesus. He's going to get baptized next week. I'm so excited. I love it. And just like God brought him into our family and baptized him into our family, and he's, he's a young man now, and one day he'll be, uh, be uh, older and know more well his spiritual giftings and be able to use those as we help disciple him and bring him along. The same thing is true for you and I. Now, it may have been a while since you and I trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, I would love for you to know. I'd love to share with you how you can be a part of that family as as you trust in him, as you believe in him, as John 3, 16 helps us to understand, as you call on the name of Jesus and he miraculously saves you and the Holy Spirit envelops you in his presence and gives you the gift. Now, that might have been a while for you. For me, it was over 30 years ago. I was six years old when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. So it's been a while, even uh, it's been a while for me. And and I'm sure for many of us. But the same thing is true. When Jesus saved you, his spirit gifted you with something to do. And that's, that's important. That's what brings us here together. That's what draws us in. And what Paul helps us to see is that he talks about some were slaves before, some were free before, and God brought them into the same faith family. And he says, some of you were Jews before, and some of you were Greeks before, and God brought them all into the same faith family. And the thing is today is that no matter where you've come from, no matter your background, no matter the difference, the thing that unites us is that Jesus died for us, and the Holy Spirit gave you a gift at that conversion moment that can be used for his glory. He's brought us from all walks of life, And that's great, and that's intentional, and that's important. Each one of us has been brought by Jesus' blood and baptized by the Holy Spirit. So, you're here. You're blood-bought, and you're drinking in the Spirit, as Paul says in this passage. You are vital, vital. Jesus has you here on purpose. 
for a purpose. Let me say that again. Jesus has you here on purpose for a purpose. The second thing we see is that every part was placed by Jesus with honor and dignity. Every part was placed by Jesus with honor and dignity. Paul begins addressing this issue where some are deemed lesser. I told you about it before because of how the Holy Spirit has gifted them, how this ludicrous thing had happened. But Paul essentially says, what you think are the lesser gifts or the less important gifts are actually greater gifts. And you are mistaken to elevate your gifting from the Holy Spirit over another. In fact, he says, the ones you think are less are more honorable. He helps us to see that there is no lesser gift. All gifts are honorable. In fact, Paul likens some people and their gifts to being like, and I don't know another way to say this, and I really struggle with it. The word he uses, the word unrespectable, it means private parts. I don't know how else to say that. Except for, I mean, I know that's weird, and it's odd, and trust me, I was like, how do I convey what Paul is saying, what this word actually means? But Paul uses that imagery of private parts. He's saying, listen, the ones you think are hidden away, just like on our own bodies, the one we hide away, are more, they, they have more respect. We hide them away, because they have a greater function like our human body parts that we hide away are the ones that bring life or contribute to that so too do these unrespectable parts so called and they have greater honor and greater dignity than those that are just out in the open for all to see so now you, you can go tell someone the pastor talked about private parts in church today The point of all this is, is that you may think your gift is less important, or perhaps maybe, maybe you're not even sure what your gift is yet, or how you can use it. But let me tell you, no matter how Christ has gifted you in a miraculous way, no matter the gift he's given you, whether it's something like uh, pastor or teacher, that's easier for us to understand, because in this thing they were elevating they were elevating speaking in tongues, right? Well, you know, if that happened today, it'd be very noticeable, of course, but, uh, you know, it's, that doesn't always happen. But we understand pastor or teacher, right? We understand how those could be, in a way, elevated. And I will tell you today, there are people serving right now with our most precious members of our church, the kids, their job is more honorable than mine. Their job is more respectable than the one that's the most visible of them all. Because their job is so important. They're discipling our kids. They're helping kids like uh, the young man I spoke with today to trust Jesus and to follow him. And Man, I can't wait for you to hear his story. And I, Because he talked about how important it is for him Tell others about Jesus too. Man, I'm excited. And so every job is vital and honorable. Now, you may not know what your gift is. 
You may not understand that yet, and that's okay. In fact, I would say, if you've served in other churches and you've come here, it might be that your gift is different because it is what Jesus needs for this church. And it's how he arranges it. We'll see in the scripture in a few moments to be used in this church according to this body's need. But regardless of what that is, I want to point you to this resource. This is something that we have used uh, in our Belong class since I arrived. But it's something that everyone can be a part of. It's called a shape profile. S-H-A-P-E, and everyone stands for something. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. And it helps you to determine how God has shaped you for ministry. And so I encourage you, these are out on that table that I mentioned before. I encourage you to grab one of those on the way out or come see me. I'll get one for you. That will help you to begin to determine how does God want to use me? Because, listen, if you're here, you're blood-bought, you're filled by the Spirit, you are vital, and God wants to use you. doesn't mean, matter how young you are. doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter uh, your, your past or background. All that matters is that Jesus brought you here, placed you here to be used by Him according to how He has gifted you. So Jesus has placed every part with honor and dignity. That was our second point. Our third point is that every part was purposed by Jesus to avoid division. This is key. This is key. This church was divided. This church was fighting about the silliest, craziest things. Paul helps them to see that Jesus put it together this way so there wouldn't be division. That's the, the crazy thing is, is that they were using the gifts that were meant to be used for no division, and they twisted them and messed them up. It sounds like this was a Baptist church. I don't know if you've been a part of a church where uh, the church split over things like carpet color or what kind of pews or seating we ought to have, but that kind of stuff happens. I've heard of it. Thankfully, that's not our church but we we church was this church was messy but the thing is is that all churches are messy they were divided this church was divided about something silly but usually the churches that are divided are divided over something that really doesn't matter in the long run it's you know it's like going to a town and you pass Unity Baptist Church, and then down the road you, you pass New Unity Baptist Church, right? That stuff happens, man. It's, it's, it is very funny. Just calling a church Unity anything church is probably destined to not be unified. I want you to understand what I think this is about. I, can we just say that Satan loves division in a church. Why? He loves to get us looking at ourselves and judging others unfairly rather than looking to what he has called us to do. Think back to the seven churches that we talked about from the book of Revelation in the first three chapters. 
Think about the problems that they had and the difficulties that they had. And think about the church of Laodicea. The church of Laodicea was ineffective. And Jesus said, I spew you out of my mouth because you are like lukewarm water that is disgusting to drink. Why did Jesus do that? Because they were not doing anything for the kingdom. And the enemy would love nothing more than a church that is on the precipice of doing something significant for the kingdom of God to find itself ununified and divided over silly, dumb stuff. The enemy doesn't want us unified because we are ineffective that way. And we understand from this passage that Jesus made us just the way we are as a church body so that we wouldn't avoid our differences and for, for all of us just to be the same kind of way, the same kind of people, but for us to understand that he brought us together from our different perspectives, giving us different gifts so that our different gifts would make us better as one. And the enemy would love for us to be focused on the things that do not matter so that we can be distracted from what Jesus has arranged and wants us to do. Our differences help us to understand that he's brought us together from walks of life that don't make sense according to the world so that we can be unified under the one banner, the banner of Jesus. And that's a dangerous thing for our enemy, and he knows it. If a church is unified under the banner of Jesus, it's dangerous for him. He does not like it, he does not want it, and he does not allow it. He will fight us. He will help us to get... Uh, concentrated on silly arguments and he will keep us fighting so that we are ineffective and so what we see is our fourth point that every part was planned by Jesus to direct our desire our job is to desire what Jesus wants not what we want we can all have, we cannot all have the same spiritual gift. He says here, if everybody was an ear, who would see? If everybody was uh, uh, an eye, who would hear? Right? He tells us, you can't all have this same. All of them are important. And then he continues to tell us, verse 26, if you could put that up there. So if any, if one member suffers all the members suffer with it and if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it we are one body all different parts put together to help each other to accomplish something to do something significant for the kingdom of God therefore as he says we should desire his design the one who knows best and has put it together the way he wants and we should embrace that so we can be unified and be a force to be reckoned with for his glory so that God can use us 
to not be a dying church in a small dying town but that we could be a vibrant gospel believing church that believes that Jesus can still change lives and he put us here 187 years ago so that one day so every day we could be a light for the rest of this community so that people could come to the lighthouse to find hope and respite and salvation and that you and I could bring that to them and so that they would find the hope of Christ in their own lives, that we would be a force to be reckoned with for his glory. Now, let me tell you, if we do this, if our church does this unified, using our gifts left and right for God's glory, if we are a force to be reckoned with, there will be spiritual attack. I think there already is. I think there already is. And more than likely, more will come because I think, I'm naive enough to think, Jesus wants to do something with this church in this community for his glory. And he wants to reveal his glory in our body and through our body. And I think we're on the cusp of it. And so, I'm convinced what we need to do today in response, right now. Because as the song, first song that we sang, I was out of town this week, I had no idea what song that was going to be. And I think it's because the Lord knew we needed it. The battle belongs to him. I think we need to pray that God would help us to be a unified church. Not just unified in our beliefs, but using our gifts, using our differences, using our multi... I I love that we are a multi-generational church. To use that for God's glory. To reach people of all ages. To help them be rescued out out of hell out of condemnation to find salvation that you and I enjoy that I've been been a recipient of for over 30 years shouldn't I want somebody else to know that peace and hope so my prayer is that we would be a praying church because the battle belongs to Jesus listen I'm not strong enough I'm not strong enough to shoulder this I think you know that and we're not strong enough to shoulder this though it's easier when we're together but we are merely members of the body of Christ he's the head and so let us call on him let us pray to him that he would keep us strong for the spiritual attack that is here and is coming because I believe we're on the cusp of seeing God do something we can't explain except for to say, God did that. And so my prayer with you as we respond, and today if you'd like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, I would walk you through that in just a few minutes. You can come forward. But I think that's not just the only response that needs to be had today. My prayer, my hope, is that we would respond as a body of Christ, as a faith family, 
that we would respond in prayer. So I want to encourage you to do that with me. I would encourage you because I just, I think moving our bodies is symbolic of our hearts are following. And so I'm going to come and I'm going to pray on these steps. And I realize not everybody can handle kneeling on the floor praying. I understand that. So I don't want to I'm moving there. I encourage you, if you can, if you'd like to, to come with me. But regardless, would you pray with me? Can we unite our hearts in this moment in prayer under the banner of Jesus to say we will trust in him. The battle belongs to him. We will hold on to him. We will look to him. And so, if you would, would you stand? And if God leads you to come and pray with me, would you do that? But if you would, pray wherever you end up praying.